Hey, good to see you. You guys uh, awake? Good morning. Oh, you guys are way more awake than the first service. That's weird. It's almost like they just roll out of bed or something. Um, so good to see you. Uh, if you're new, I just want you to know this is a place where we want to be a blessing to our community, a blessing to other people. Um, and I, we feel that when you bless people, there's a lot, a higher likelihood that you'll belong, that, that there can be a friendship that strikes up, and it's a place you can belong before you believe. Um, and it's our privilege just to help you move forward uh, one step at a time on your spiritual journey towards Jesus. So with that said, I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump right in. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time together. Would you um, just quiet any distractions that we have in our life right now, would you minimize those? Would you help us to be able to hear from you and to focus on what you are saying to us? Just teach us, Lord. Help us to have open hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So we were actually flying on the freeway from Disneyland uh, to the hospital. Um, This was just a few years ago. I was in my mid-20s, and uh, Disneyland is the happiest place on earth, we had grown up going there as kids, and we all decided to go as uh, uh, adults with our families and meet our parents there, and we did and had a wonderful day, but at the end of the day, my mom started feeling terrible, and, um, and we found ourselves just, just booking down the highway, and what had been going on with her was uh, she'd had a surgery, and, um, and for some reason, she kept on having internal bleeding. And uh, the doctors hadn't been able to figure it out. And they thought they'd figured it out. And then at Disneyland, um, uh, we realized that she was ha- having internal bleeding again. And so we uh, immediately took her to the hospital. And we got there. Uh, there's all these people in the, you know, in the waiting room, the emergency room. And there's, you know, there's a gunshot wound. There's a, uh, someone with the flu, someone, you know, throwing up over here. There's, you know, just a mess in this room. And, you know, the nurse came to us and we were like, hey, my, you know, my mom's not doing well. My dad's there. He's like, my wife is really, really sick. We need to get her seen. She's like, okay, we'll get her seen. She kind of looked at her. She's like, have her go sit over here, which we knew was going to be a long wait. And as we were waiting, it was kind of like, uh, how long is the wait going to be? And they were like, ah, oh, you know, just we'll, we'll see her in an hour or so. And uh, at, at that point, my dad had seen my mom was acting more. Uh, she wasn't herself, and she's a nurse. She's a really tough lady. And uh, he was just really concerned, and he knew that, like, she was losing blood. And so in the middle of that room, with all these people kind of sick and moaning and people on phones calling other people about the sicknesses happening, in the middle of that emergency room, my dad just went, now, 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 just, like, yelled at the nurse. And she's just like, he's like, my wife needs to see a doctor right now. And, and it was, she didn't know what to do, and there were all these people that didn't want to cause a scene. She's like, well, sir, come over here. My mom's in a wheelchair, so they wheeled her over there. And uh, just to kind of pacify and keep a scene from happening, my dad was like, he was hot. And uh, the gal, like, started, you know, redistributing some of the stuff my mom had around her and saw all the blood and realized that this wasn't just someone overreacting and immediately called to the doctor doctor runs out they run her back into the hospital and and to surgery and saved her life my dad hadn't been like yelling advocating for his wife he would have lost her um i want to talk to you guys today about advocating for other people about seeing a situation as it really is 
seeing a dire situation, a horrible situation, a terrible situation, and, and be, maybe being the only person who sees it and advocating for that person in a spiritual, uh, in a, in a, in a spiritual way. In the book of Daniel, as we've been studying, and this is our last, this is our last um, sermon on this in the book of Daniel. It's been an incredible study. We've been learning about his faith, about this guy who lives in Babylon in the middle of like a godless world, working for a godless, you know, evil tyrants that he ends up helping. And God uses him in the midst of that. And chapter 9, if you have your Bible, turn to chapter 9. You can follow along behind us on the screen. It is incredible. And it's all about how Daniel has the spiritual eyes and the heart to see an issue and to do something about it through spiritual means. And so uh, this is all about Daniel's prayer. The prayer that I'm going to be teaching you can be uh, put into a concise nugget. The prayer uh, that Daniel has advocating for his people is simply this. In Daniel 9, 17, Daniel prays this at the end of this long prayer that he has. He says, Lord, hear Lord, forgive. Lord, listen and act. And those are the three uh, parts of, of, of prayer that I, we're going to be learning today to be spiritual advocates for other people, uh, to cry out, Lord, hear, Lord, forgive, and Lord, act. Do something. And that's what we're going to be learning today. In, in chapter 9, verse 1, um, Daniel becomes aware of something that I, th- I don't think anybody else was aware of. In verse 1 it says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, a-, a Mede by birth, and I-, I imagine that back in those days it's like saying there's a king by birth from Mede. It's kind of like being from Buckley. Um, some of you guys are like, oh, he'd be an awesome king. Um, and he was made king over the Chaldean kingdom. In the first year of his reign, um, and Daniel's in his 80s at this point. We've kind of followed him since he got to Babylon when he's probably about 15 years old. Now he's in his 80s, and he's served three uh, emperors uh, by this time in his life, and uh, is a man of God. In the first year of Darius' reign, I, Daniel, understood from the books according to the word of the Lord to the prophet Jeremiah that the number of years for the desolation of Jerusalem, for the exile of of the people of Israel, would be 70 years. 70 years. And if you know some of the story, Daniel knows that his people are in exile because of sin. There is basically the three eyes: idolatry, immorality, and injustice. They started worshiping other gods. God had told them not to worship other gods, but they did. And when they started worshiping other gods, like awful things happened. The kinds of worship they participated in were so awful, so ugly. I mean, there was like even child sacrifice to these other gods. It was awful. And then the immorality awful sin uh, arose within the community of God, God's people, which led to injustice, where they, they were the family of God, supposed to love others, love each other, um, take care of widows, orphans, outsiders, and none of that was happening. They were hurting each other, and, and God said enough, and he had a covenant set up with his people. Uh, so have you guys have heard of a covenant when you've heard of like, re- not, not just halo, but covenant in the Bible? Um, some people got like really excited and they heard like, oh, you know, no, no, that's not what this is. The covenant in the Bible is really, it's God's relationship with his people. He started this relationship with the, with Israel, God's people through Abram or Abraham. He later became, and that covenant was developed over time. And in that covenant, it was like, God said, if you love me and you follow me and you listen to me, it will go well and there will be blessing." 
If you don't follow me and you turn from me, you worship other gods and you, immorality and, all, and injustice and all that stuff starts happening, there will be curses. There, you, will, you will rue the day like it's going to go badly. Um, I have unconditional love, but it doesn't mean that there's uh, you know, unconsequential love. Like if, if you go that route, I'm going to let you suffer some of the consequences. And so the exile is a result of them violating the covenant, the relationship between God and his people. Now, let's jump in. Daniel sees something that nobody else sees. Um, and he sees in the book of Jeremiah that Jeremiah wrote about how long the exile is going to be. In fact, Jeremiah 25 says this, uh, speaking about Judah and Israel, God's people. This whole country will become a desolate wasteland and these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. So he knows it's supposed to be 70 years and that's when God's going to check in and see, hey, are they ready to go back? Are they ready to have the temple restored? Are they ready to be my people? Um, but it, he also, Daniel, I think he, in his mind, when he's, when, when he's writing this or having this written in the book of Daniel chapter 9, I think he's thinking of a, of, a, of a section of scripture in Leviticus 26. Now, hang with me here for a second, and then we're going to get to some really practical stuff. But this is, this is why advocating spiritually for people is so important. Check this out. Uh, Leviticus 26 says this, but when they, this is uh, God speaking about his people, if they ever go into exile, this is before Babylon, him saying, if you don't obey me, you're going to end up in a place like Babylon. And the way to get out of Babylon, the way to fix the issue, God prescribes right here. He says, but when they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers, their unfaithfulness that they practiced against me and how they acted with hostility toward me, when their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they make amends for their iniquity, which is a fancy word for sin, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob. Jacob representing the people of Israel. I will remember my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham. I will remember the relationship I have with my people and I will remember the land and blessing will follow. So if they confess their sin, if they humble themselves, they repent, then they will be freed. So, so Daniel sees this moment in time that like no one else sees, like the, the exiles and the, uh, the people of God, everyone's you know, either poor back at home or they're exiled to Babylon and they're not right with God. And he sees this like cultural moment for his people to get right with God. And I, I imagine Isaiah 59, 16 speaks of this, God's looking at the world it says he's god he saw that there was no man and he was amazed that there was no one interceding and i think daniel sees the 70 years is about to come up he's 80 years old and he wants and longs for his people to be freed from the exile that they're in he wants them to be free from the tyrant kings and he wants them to be right with God and he sees this moment in time coming and it's not like this absolute promise that like, hey, uh, God will bring everything and make everything right no matter what. If, if their people haven't confessed, if their people, like God's people, haven't turned from idolatry and haven't learned from the past, then it could continue to go. So he knows this is really important and that no one else is seeing this. 
No one else sees the gap. No one else sees the opportunity, the moment that could pass them. And Daniel decides to advocate for his people. And so he prays on their behalf. The the biblical term for advocating or spiritual advocating is interceding. How many of you guys have heard of intercessory prayer? What that simply is is standing in the gap for somebody else on behalf of somebody else. It's, it's my dad standing in the emergency room seeing that there's a problem that no one else realizes how severe it is and says, now, 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 like, there's a, we need a doctor. And Daniel sees this moment and he prays this amazing prayer that is, God, would you hear? God, would you forgive? And God, would you act? When no one else sees this, he has the spiritual eyes to see it. He has the, the eyes of an intercessor, an advocate, someone who stands in between. There's a, there's a quote I like. I want to teach you guys. I want to teach you guys how to advocate for others spiritually. I want to teach you guys how to pray in a way that sees God move and changes and frees people from exile, frees people from hurt, and brings forgiveness into the lives of people and a new spiritual awareness. And the first thing we have to, to do is, is pray, Lord, hear. It can be that simple. Lord, hear. And in, in our culture, and I th- I'm afraid in some <clears throat> Um, Christians might even believe this that their prayers aren't heard there's like an assumption that like my prayers don't matter or like it's not that big a deal to God or maybe they're just going off into space and you know God doesn't hear me and God when you read the scriptures longs to hear from us he longs to hear our prayers doesn't matter how insignificant we think they are or how small they think they are that, that God wants to hear our prayers Lord hear we have to learn to pray that. And in prayer, I love this, this quote from E.M. E. Bounds. He's a guy who writes a lot about prayer. He says, God shapes the world by prayer. God shapes the world through prayer. Prayer seems like su- such a you know, passive, like powerless thing. I, I, you, know, you see people complaining about people praying, like when there's incidents and accidents and and even horrible vile things that happen in the world there's people like enough with prayer we need to act and i understand where people are coming from i understand that sometimes like oh if i take things into my own hands we need to come with a a, a solution right now but but prayer is is calling and begging the god of the universe that's created in all this that has this un, under control somehow to come and fix it and to be part of it and to reveal to us like, how do we actually solve some of these things? Because if we try to solve things on our own without the Creator's influence, like, it's going to go worse. And so prayer, to me, is an essential part of action. If we're not praying, our actions aren't going to be good. If we're not praying, our actions aren't going to be filled with power. If we're not praying, we're not going to be filled with the Spirit. And like Ian Bounds says, God shapes the world by prayer. When we pray, uh, the whole uh, it can change a community. When we pray... Uh, uh, People are changed. Uh, lives are healed. Um, jobs are found. When we pray, families are reconciled together. When we pray, nations can come to peace. When we pray, the devil and the darkness that's in the world can be pushed back. When we pray, God can intervene. When we pray, people are saved. And so I want to I say to you today, like, how is your prayer life? Have you been advocating for anybody 
in your life. Coming before the Lord, praying for them, begging him, asking for the ways, to, the eyes to see that he wants us to see and for him to move the way he wants to move. We have to learn to be people of prayer. If we can learn anything, Daniel had the greatest, I mean, greatest faith. He went, he survived lions. He survived tyrants. This is his third em- emperor that he's been through. And he's at the, he's at the head of the state because he's such a wise, faithful guy. And God has blessed him immensely in some really hard situations. And you'd think if anybody had the wisdom to solve things, if anybody had the power to do things on his own and call for, for an action from the state, an action from other leaders, it would be him. If you'd think of anybody who has the influence, it would be him. And what's his first instinct when he sees a moment that's coming that's important for his people to be made right with God? He prays doesn't do anything. He prays. We need to learn to be people of of prayer. Lord, hear. Verse 3, it says this of chapter 9. So I turn my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and petitions and with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Some of you might think sackcloth and ashes sounds kind of weird, like you put ashes on you. It was a sign of humility in those days. It was a sign of coming forward and saying, I'm utterly powerless and I need you, God, to move. So how do you pray? What's your prayer life look like? I want to challenge you. If you struggle with prayer, if you struggle praying and believing that God can hear you, even taking time to do it, you're so busy, I want to give you three things we can learn on how to start praying to say, Lord, hear. What we see when, when, da- when Daniel does this in verse 3, there's three things we can learn from just from verse 3. The first is it says, I turn my attention to the Lord God. Turn your attention to God. Cut out the distractions. Like centralize your focus. And how can we pray? How can we uh, spend time with the Lord if, if we don't give our attention to him? We live in a world filled with distractions, filled with all kinds of advertisements, all kinds of issues, all kinds of problems, some of our own doing, some of the world's doing, some of our family. You know, we just live in a barrage of distraction. And, and Daniel, who could have been super distracted, turned his attention to God. Do you know why Christians close their eyes when they pray, historically? You ever wonder that? And my daughter, like when we go to pray, you know, she'll like peek out and look around. And last week when I was doing a baby dedication in the first service, um, or it was a child dedication, she was about four or five. And, you know, after I prayed for her and her family, she looked up at me and in front of everybody was like, I didn't close my eyes. And like, hey. <laughs> And I just leaned down and said, well, then it won't come true. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's so evil. No, no, I did not say that. Um, It's because God doesn't need us to close our eyes. The reason Christians close their eyes is not like some mystical, magical thing. It's to help us focus. It's to turn our attention to God. It's to eliminate distraction. So whatever you have to do, whether it's close your eyes, put in earbuds, take out earbuds, whatever you need to do to focus, turn your attention to God. Number two is seek God with your biggest desires and questions. Daniel said, so I turn my attention to the Lord God to seek him. By prayer and petitions to seek him like to go to him first and and he's wanting answers and he's wanting help for his people he wants them to be free from babylon it's like a simple prayer he wants them to be free from exile in babylon he wants them to be in a right relationship with god and but he goes to god he seeks god 
How many of us in our prayer life are like, do we seek Him? Lord, I just want You, and I want to spend time with You. And then you start giving your prayers and your desires and your questions to Him. And no question is too small. I've heard some Christians say, well, people who just go to God and are always asking questions of Him. You know, like, that that's not what God wants. And Look at when you when you become more mature in your faith, there are other reasons to come before God than just emergencies. For sure. But God would never turn down an opportunity to listen to his child give requests. You know, of course he wants us to mature and of course he wants us to learn to just sit with him and know him and love him and and not always have to just throw up emergency requests but i will tell you this daniel is probably the most mature christian mature believer there was in this in this day and age and he was asking the lord a lot of questions it's okay to bring your questions to him the last aspect of prayer if you're wanting to learn to prayer to say god hear me is to humble yourself humble yourself to just maybe bow or bow your head or 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 just say lord lord i need you in my life so bad apart from you i can do nothing whatever act you have to do to to humble yourself for him ash and sackcloth and fasting and he did these things to humble himself um for me the other day i was like man i i don't want to i don't want to preach this week without really having a a good time of intercession for our our church so the kids were going crazy um um, my wife had a lot of, you know, things that were going on upstairs and we'd had a busy day and I was like, man, I'm a pastor. It's hard to find time to pray. Are you kidding me? And it was, uh, it was our day off. And finally I just was like, I'm going downstairs. I turned the lights off and the only light that came in was from the window. And we have this like kind of little Persian rug and I just went and I just knelt on it. And I, I just was like, man, I'm going to learn from, from Daniel on this one. I'm just going to kneel. I could hear the kids, blam, 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 above me. And then I just closed my eyes, and I just started praying. I just, I just said, God, would you hear my prayer? Would you, would you be with my friend Mackenzie? I just started praying for people I knew needed help and needed God. They needed intercession. And I prayed for Mackenzie. Lord, would you heal her? And would you be with my, with my other friend, Denny? Would you heal her from long-term sickness? And my brother with his you know, appendix, and my friend Scott, and this friend, and that friend. And then, Lord, be with our people. Would you help them to have a heart for you and have a heart for the lost and, and to know your heart? And I just started praying, and it was crazy. I got up, and I, I was kind of tired from praying, and I looked at the, my watch, and, or my phone. I don't have a watch. I looked at my phone, and um, it would have been 25 minutes. And I, it's been a practice of mine to intercede and pray for our church. But there's sometimes moments where it's just more intense than others. And in this time for Daniel is an intense time of prayer. When was the last time you asked God to hear you on behalf of others? The next prayer, Lord, forgive. Or next aspect of this prayer of intercession, Lord, forgive Remember, remember the Leviticus 26 where it said, remember to confess your sins and your father's sins and to humble your hearts. Well, he remembers that. And in verse 4, Daniel prays this prayer of confession, a prayer of honesty, of bringing that what was in the dark into the light, what was afraid to be talked about to be something that's, that's spoken of. He says this, I prayed to the Lord my God and I confessed. Uh, he says this, Oh Lord, with, with the great and awe-inspiring God you are who keeps his gracious covenant with those who live, who, with those who love him and keep his commandments, he recognizes how awesome God is. Verse 5, We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled and turned away from your commands and your ordinances. 
We have sinned. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name, to our kings and to our leaders and to our fathers, our family members who didn't listen to the ones that you sent. And all the people of the land didn't listen. And 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 they were they listened to pride-filled leaders rather than spirit-filled leaders. They they listened to they rather listened to people who had served their purposes than the servants who were serving God. And he says, We have sinned. I wonder what it would look like if everyone in this community today took time to confess sin to God. What would that look like? What would that look like for you? It's hard to bring things in the dark into the light, things that have hurt us from others or things that we've said or done that we're embarrassed of that one night or that one time or like that habitual thing and that addiction I can't kick. But there's freedom and forgiveness that flows into our hearts when we confess. Now, I'm not saying that like you have to confess for God to love you. What I am saying for you to receive and live in the freedom of forgiveness, you have to speak. You have to confess. You have to recognize that was wrong. What I did and what we did and what we were, that was wrong. God, would you forgive us? I wonder what a watching world would think. It's in so much chaos right now. If they saw people, instead of trying to protect and hide sin and hide flaw and hide who they really are, if we were just a community that said, this is who we are. We are flawed, sinful individuals, totally, utterly in need of God's grace. See, I think a community would see that and be like, I could belong there. I think there's a world that's longing for that kind of honesty, that kind of truth. Confess your sin. If you have struggles confessing, pray this prayer and just personalize it, starting in verse 5. Instead of saying, we have sinned, say, I have sinned, God. I have done wrong. I have acted wickedly. I have rebelled and turned away from your commands and your laws and your ordinances. I have not listened to the, the servants that you've sent to me to speak the truth to me. I've been oblivious or I've been rebellious. Like, God, would you forgive me? Start there. Just pray this prayer for you. And I wonder what a world that's struggling with spiritual emptiness and addiction and hurt, if we were to confess those things, what it would do in a, in a world around us that struggles with it. Now, if you struggle with confession, if you struggle with that kind of honesty, I can, you know, I can relate. Um, that's hard. We have this French bulldog. He's five months old. He's a little puppy now. His name's Whiskey. And uh, he's got a little black kind of mask. It's kind of like how his coloring is. And he's um, tan, kind of apricot color. And sometimes he'll like get into the kids' toys and start chewing them. Or he'll eat like my daughter's crayons. Or he'll leave, leave like a little deposit somewhere in the house. And he's, he's getting much better. But, you know, once in a while, and it's just like, are you kidding? He sins. His iniquity is great. And... Um, He'll go, he'll, he'll do one of two things. He'll go hide, like under the couch or like in his area and just like, he's always out doing something, but then when he's in his, you know, his little uh, lair, he'll just be like looking like, everything's fine, everything's fine, nothing's bad, nothing's bad. And I'll be like, what did you do? And I'll see like the deposit maybe he's left or like the thing that's chewed or the, cran- the leftovers of the crayon. And I'm like, what did you do, whiskey? And you know what he does? 
He just starts going, oh, oh, he starts groveling. He starts backing away, oh, and then I'm like, what did you do? And then he'll slowly turn on his back and just go like this, complete, full, utter submission. I did it. I'm so sorry. I'll accept the consequences. I just want to move beyond this. Forgive me. And then I have a son named Wesley who sometimes will chew on toys he shouldn't. He'll eat crayons that he shouldn't. You know, safe crayons. And he'll leave deposits sometimes. And I'll come in, I'll be like, did you do this mess, Wesley? Are you, are you eating that crayon? Stop eating that crayon. And you know what his reaction will be? And like, he'll like try to keep it. There's no contrition, no humility, no repentance, no confession. What does God want us to do? Which one does God want us to be, a whiskey or a Wes? And I love my Wes. We have to learn to be able to do that. The results of sin are made really obvious here. Uh, Daniel says, Lord, public shame belongs to us. He acknowledges that shame has come onto him and his community because of what they've done. The idolatry, immorality, the injustice in their life. The sin, the ugliness, he acknowledges the shame. We live like in a culture that wants to shame everybody. But also at the same time, we live in a culture that says there's nothing that's shameful because your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. There's no such thing. You can't be ashamed of anything. No one should be ashamed of anything uh, if everything's true and nothing's bad. But at the same time, we live in a, a culture that wants to recognize and, and come alongside victims, which we should. And so there's this tension of like, well, I don't want to acknowledge shame. You, who are you to say that I have shame? Who are you to say about me? But we're, we long to point out other people's shame. Are you with me? Friends, we, we are called to be part of a community that recognizes, like, my shame owns it. Isn't blaming other people, owns it. And says, God, this is to my shame. And recognizes there is such a thing as shame. But God can remove that. The other aspect of this I have to mention is repentance. Just as as it is written, Daniel says, in the law of Moses, in verse 13, he says, all this disaster has come on us. Yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our iniquities, turning from our sin and praying, or excuse me, paying attention to your truth. Repentance is turning from sin toward truth. Turning toward truth, not turning to our own self-righteousness, not turning to, you know, uh, another vice, another sin, another addiction. It's turning to God. We have Christians, if we want to have prayers of honesty and forgiveness, God forgive. We have to go through a process of confession and repentance. But I want to tell you, if, if we don't do that, we're doomed to continue living in exile. <laughs> But if we do confess and we do repent and turn to the truth of God, just watch out what the church can do. Watch out what God can do through your life. Watch out what he will do through a church like Whitewater when we are living openly, repentant, confessional lives. Amen? Let's jump into this last one. Lord, act. Lord, act. I love that. Lord, move. Lord, do something. Like, 
Get them, Lord, free us. And he's wanting to free them from Babylon. He wants the relationships to be made right. And he says, Lord, act, do something. And here's how we'll finish. Reading uh, Daniel 9.19 with me. Lord, listen and act. My God, for your own sake, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. These people have your identity and they they have forgotten it. They're messed up. They're broken, bloodied. And they've been doing this to themselves. But God, remember how wonderful you are and that you want the world to know how good you are so would you fix the problem would you act would you do something god act and i love i just love this prayer and and here's a few observations um it's interesting to me that daniel doesn't pray on his own behalf you know he's not like god save me from exile save me from the babylonians save me from the lions save me from the big old idol that nebuchadnezzar made he's done those things but he's at a point in his life where he's 80 years old and all of his forebears, think about this, all his examples, all his mentors, all his people when he was growing up at 15 have been the ones that got him in this mess. He had terrible um, examples growing up of leadership. And all these people who worshipped idols and gave in and, and committed great immorality and sin and injustice and didn't care about the relationship with God and didn't care about spiritual things and they were more interested in making money, uh, getting what they wanted, all that stuff. Daniel sees that, and he sees the future before him, and he makes a different choice. And he says, no, God, would you save my people? This is echoes of Moses. This This is a foreshadowing of Jesus. And he stands in the gap, and he says, God, even if you, even if it costs me my life, even if I don't have much to live now that I'm 80, God, would you save my people? And he's not thinking of himself. He's not trying to save himself from the fire. He's trying to save his people. And I'm telling you, when you get it in your gut that there are people that God loves, people that are so lost in sin, so lost in idolatry, so lost in immorality, and they don't even know it, or they're experiencing the shame and they don't know how to get rid of it, and their whole life is this this pattern of trying to get rid of that shame, and it's just going more and more sin, sin, sin. And if we see that spiritual reality and we have the heart of Daniel, then we will have God's heart. And it'll be like my dad's in that emergency room where everybody else doesn't realize how close to death my mom was. And he goes, now, 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 move. We need a doctor. Then we as a church will be praying and crying out, God, would you, would you hear my prayer? Would you forgive people? And would you act? And would you save? Amen? Who are the people in our lives and in our communities that need God to act, that need God to intervene? And are we praying for them? Do we believe that God shapes the world through prayer? Like prayer like this. How many of us who are here today sitting in a seat are here because somebody prayed? Maybe a whole group of people. Maybe your family. Maybe your grandma was the only one. I see hands going up. And you're like, I never would have come in. I I never thought I'd be in a place like this. You kidding me? Some bald preacher preaching at me? What? (laughs) But you're sitting here today as a testimony because someone prayed for you. Who does God want in, in these seats? Who does God want hearing about his love that we should be praying for, that we should be lifting up, that we should be interceding for, that we should be spiritual advocates for? Saying, now, now, now God acts. Well, here's the answer to his prayer. I, 
I, I love this. This is the finish of his, of his prayer. While I was speaking, Daniel says, praying, confessing my sin, in the middle of like this act of selflessness and faith, and he's confessing his sin. He said, my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and presenting my petition to the Lord, my request to the Lord, my God, concerning the holy mountain of Jerusalem. In verse 21, while I was praying, underline that in your Bibles, would you? While I was praying, God was sending an answer. Gabriel, the man I had seen, he's an angel from his first vision, reached me in my extreme weariness. Underline extreme weariness. When you are really praying, when you are really fighting on behalf of others, when you are advocating spiritually for the life, the forgiveness, and the, free, uh, the, the freedom of other people, there is extreme exhaustion when you're praying. It is a spiritual battle. About the time of the evening offering, he gave me this explanation. Daniel, I've come now to give you understanding. At the beginning of your questions or your petitions, an answer went out, and I have come to give you the answer, for you are treasured by God. And God eventually freed his people. He answered Daniel's prayer. But get this, he answered Daniel's prayer even deeper than Daniel knew. Daniel was praying for the restoration of his people to God, and he was trying to stand in the gap the best he knew how. But through his prayer and through his recognition and through the flow of God's power through his people. Um, 600 years later, the true answer to his prayer would happen in the form of Jesus Christ. The arms outstretched, dying for the sins of the world, standing in the gap, the intercessor, the great one who's, who intercedes on our behalf before the Father so that we can be forgiven and all our sin can be placed on Jesus. Isn't that incredible? And get this, if it, like Daniel's faith spanned generations, the impact of his prayers, the impact of his teaching, the impact of his life and faith spanned generations. If you know the Jesus story, you know, when he was born, there were these people from the east. What were they called? Wise men, magi. Most scholars think that they were from Babylon. How would men from Babylon, 600 years after Daniel, know to be looking for the prince of peace the king of kings the son of god if it weren't for daniel teaching him that he was coming his faith was a, was was the teaching in the life that sparked even the knowledge that the king of the jews had been born and it came from babylon the place where they'd been exiled isn't that unbelievable your faith, your prayers, your petitions, your requests, your spiritual advocating for others can impact future generations, your kids and their kids. My grandpa prays and has prayed for me like every day of my life. Think about that. Every day of my life, my grandpa's prayed for me. He's prayed for this church. Before this church was a church, he was praying for this church praying for the, the seeds of this church as we started growing. And there's been other saints that have prayed, some who have passed on, who have prayed for you to be sitting in the seats that you're sitting in. You're their spiritual legacy. I don't know why that gets me so emotional, but as I get older, I just think about the, the legacy that we get to leave um, with our lives. Would you join me in advocating and interceding on behalf of of the world around us that is so spiritually empty and hungry 
They don't know what to do and they need Jesus. Would you come out tonight and pray with me? And we're going to be praying through these prayers. We're going to take time together, let you pray and worship. And we're just going to ask God to move. Would you join me in that? Would you pray the prayer? Would you dare to pray the prayer? God, hear. God, forgive. And God, act. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. So grateful for you. Thank you for the example of Daniel. I pray that our church would see and hear and look forward to the ripples of faith that are in this congregation. I, I pray that, that it wouldn't just be one or two people that are listening out there today thinking God could use me like that and take a step of faith. Lord, I pray that the whole army of people would leave here knowing that if each one of us takes a step, you can do even greater things in our, with our life and in our life than you did with Daniel. That just blows me away, God. Would we take those steps of faith? Would we invite people? Would we pray for people? And would we live in such a way that we leave a legacy of the kingdom? In Jesus' name, amen.